We are the Marcelin Brothers, and this is the Marcelin Brothers Podcast, MBP for short. We are here to share our story and to contribute our thoughts about everyday topics in life. Time to sit back, relax, and get ready for the MVP attack. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Today is June 6th, 2019. And if you are listening or watching, you are listening or watching on the Marshall Brothers podcast. So if you guys are currently watching right now, you are probably trying to figure out what is going on. I only see one individual and that one individual is the one who's talking right now. And this is weird because I'm looking at the screen and when I'm looking at the screen, it's like he's talking to himself. So what exactly is going on? So we haven't done an episode in a little while and I want to make sure that I am true to the MVP team. We need to make sure that we are continuing to create content. So this is going to be my first attempt at doing my own podcast episode by myself. So right now, the thing that we had to try to figure out number one was how am i going to be able to get this video uploaded somehow with it being myself so we're trying something different we're trying something new i don't know if there's a better way to do this i know there are lots of people who are my MVPs out there who probably have a better idea of doing this but what i've done is i have done a skype to myself so i have skype on my web browser and I've got Skype on my personal phone. And literally what I am doing is I am calling myself so that I can get myself on the other line so that I am able to get this video so that I can record this and eventually upload it onto YouTube as well as upload it onto whatever podcast source you guys listen to. So there's gotta be a better way to do this, but I figured let me try this out. Let's see how it goes. Let's see how it looks. And hopefully some of the MVPers will give me better advice on how to make this work. But, again, we are on. We are going to have an episode. And let's see how this goes. So, usually on our podcast, I have a conversation with one of my brothers. So, it's usually either Marvelous or A-Bone. But it is just me. So, I guess I'm going to have a conversation with myself. So, what's going on, man? How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Uh, not too bad. How was your week? My week was pretty good. We had an opportunity to be able to hang out. We went to West Florida, hang out with some of the Capistar brothers out there. So, again, shout out to Southeast Province. It was a wonderful meeting. We had a leadership meeting over there. We had an opportunity to meet with some of the collegiates and to mentor and to teach and to make sure that they knew exactly what to expect for the upcoming year. So we did that. Got to have some quality time with, of course, my wife and my daughter. It was a nice three-and-a-half-hour drive over there. Theo did awesome, as she normally does, and my wife and I got to catch up, so it was really good times. We got back Saturday night, and then this morning, pretty much went back, did the church thing, worked out after that, then tried to do some chores before the rain started coming down, but we were able to figure that out, and now got to take a little nap, did some more chores around the house, and here we are doing this podcast. So what I want to do today is I want to have this podcast cover some of the bigger sports stories that we've had in 2019. And coincidentally, 
the three sports stories that we'll be talking about are three stories that happened within a couple of weeks of each other. So we are going to go from the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Then we will discuss golf. And then we will go and we will finish off with my favorite basketball player's retirement. So first off, let's talk a little bit about the Texas Tech versus the Virginia NCAA men's basketball championship game. So this game was played on April 9th. And the reason why I picked this story is it really started from 2018. So just to set everybody up, University of Virginia, they were a number one seed last year. They played against the number 16 seed, which was the University of Maryland, Baltimore campus. And ever since I was a little kid, I remember always watching the NCAA basketball tournament. And the one thing that everybody always could count on at the end of the day is that a number one seed would always beat a number 16 seed. You never had that upset. That never happened. So it's pretty much money in the bank. You figure when you're going to watch the first tournament games of the season, you know most of the time, or no, all of the time, that the number one team is always going to beat the number 16 team. So we go back 2018. I remember where I was. I think I was probably doing some sort of chores. I was folding my clothes. And I remember watching this game in you know, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, was putting up a pretty good fight against Virginia. But you figure, you know what, Virginia's going to close out. They're going to do their thing. They're going to win the game. You know, don't really pay attention to it. And then you'll go on and we'll watch another game of the series. But I just remember at the end of the first half, it was close. Okay. And then you watch the second half and then you realize, wait a minute. This, I don't know. Let's keep on watching. Let's keep on watching. So you keep on watching, keep on watching. And all of a sudden, University of Maryland ends up being University of Virginia. So when I say University of Maryland, this is not the Terrapins. This is University of Maryland, Baltimore County. They were the first number 16 seed that ever beat a number one seed ever. Do you, I mean, one, I feel bad for these guys because they're the number one seed. I mean, they had a really good chance last year to win it all, and they actually lose. They actually lose to the number 16 team. And that's part of the reason why this story is so special. So let's fast forward. April 2019, we're going to read the story, and we're going to talk about this. So the headlines are, Comeback. Cavs get their title 85-77 in overtime versus Texas Tech. Now that, Virginia, is a way to close out the season and quiet those critics too. Led by DeAndre Hunter and his NBA-ready game, the Cavaliers turned themselves into national champions Monday night, holding off a tenacious, ferocious Texas Tech for an 85-77 overtime win, a scintillating victory that came 388 days after a crushing setback that might have sunk a lesser team for years. But Virginia was better than that. A season after becoming the first number one seed to lose to a number 16 seed, one thing that has never happened in a tournament where anything can, 
The Cavaliers watched a 10-point lead turn into a three-point deficit before Hunter came to the rescue. The sophomore made the game-tying three-pointer with 12 seconds left in regulation and then made another with just over two minutes left in the extra period to give Cavs the lead for good. Surreal, Hunter called it. It's the goal we started out at the beginning of the season. We knew we were going to bounce back from last year. We achieved our dreams. After going without a field goal for the first 18 and a half minutes, Hunter finished with a career-high 27 points. If he leaves as a lottery pick, well, what a way to go. He helped the Cavs bring home the first NCAA tournament title for a program with a colorful star cross and now very winning history. Ralph Sampson was in the house, and now it's possible that Sampson and the name Chaminade won't be at the top of Virginia's resume anymore. Or University of Maryland-Baltimore campus. That was the number 16 seed that stunned the Cavs in the first round loss last year. It's playful social media online Monday night, tweeting congratulations shortly after the buzzer beater. Hunter missed that game with a broken wrist, but nobody thought that they'd miss him that much. Each of Virginia's 34 wins leading to the final, and each of its scant three losses was punctuated by the reminder that only the end result would serve as the ultimate report card on whether the Cavs could truly shed the baggage of last year. What a ride it was. A, six, a number one seed again, they fell behind by 14 to 16 seeded Gardner-Webb in the year's opening round, and a nightmare seemed to be repeating itself again, but this time they overcame it. Then they beat Purdue in the Elite Eight game when the game looked lost, and the same thing against Auburn on Saturday, getting bailed out by a foul called by Kyle Guy's three free throws with .6 seconds left. I told him, I just want a chance at a title fight one day, Virginia coach Tony Bennett said. That's all I want. You're never alone in the hill in the valleys we faced in the last year. Hunter's key three-pointer in overtime gave Virginia a 75-73 lead, and after the team's traded possessions, tech guard Moretti scrambled after a loose ball heading into Virginia's end of the court. It appeared that it would be Texas Tech ball, but a replay showed that Moretti's pinky finger had barely scraped the ball. Virginia got possession, and that worked out with the ball going to Ty Jerome, who got fouled and made two more free throws. And in terms of my guys, I've never been more proud, said the Red Raiders coach Chris Beard said. This is real life. We'll bounce back. The last five minutes of regulation and the overtime featured several one-on-one matchups between two NBA bounce stars, and Hunter came out of the winner. He finished 8-for-16 after a 0-for-7 start. Culver, who stayed in his hometown of Lubbock to see how far he could take Tech, went 5-for-22 for 15 points, continuing a cold shooting Final Four. He went 8-for-34 over the weekend. And somebody on Virginia ought to grab that sign. In the stands, a fan made a cardboard sign with the capital letters UMBC running vertically. And this spelled out after each letter, UVA makes big comeback. The Cavs couldn't have read it any better themselves. So I'm looking back at that story. And again, the reason why I chose that story is it's you go from a scenario where you're on top of the world. You're about to start your first NCAA number one seed in the tournament in 2018. You're expecting to go big, you're expecting to win that championship. And all of a sudden you get derailed by a number 16 seed that barely even made the tournament. And. Just thinking of how all the players are feeling, just thinking of how the coach is feeling, just thinking of how the world is ripping them, they themselves in that room were the only people that believed in themselves to think that they could ever come back from that. 
they had to deal with a whole off season of doubting themselves, thinking, what do we do with the lapping stock of the NCAA? A number one seed has never lost to a number 16 seed. And they had to hear that for over a year. And just the type of intestinal fortitude that these men had to be able to conjure up is nothing short of remarkable. To be able to go through all of the offseason, to get back to campus, to work and work and work, to get themselves back into an opportunity where you know they pretty much dominate through the ACC play, they get finally to the NCAA tournament again. They're in one seed again. And also, as a one seed, after the first half of the first game, they're still losing by double digits. And to somehow be able to get back to where they were and they finally won the championship that they were trying to do all year round. So I think this is one of the better stories that you'll hear in the NCAA tournament. This is a lot different than the situation that my alma mater, University of North Carolina, went through when they went to the NCAA tournament. They were three seconds away from becoming champions. They lose, and then they come back and win. This one's totally different because, again, the Cavs, they got bounced in the first round, and they have to come back and try to figure out a way to win it. So I just remember watching it. I just remember hearing the news. And even though I'm not a UVA fan, again, I'm a UNC Tar Heel for life, I have to give credit to where credit is due. And I have to make sure that I publicly give UVA a nod of approval over what they were able to get by. I think Tony Bennett, the head coach of UVA, is a class act. I think the way that he was able to get those guys to step in to make sure that they were not doubting themselves and to make sure that they can finish it out. I thought that was a great job. I think a lot of those head players who probably had an opportunity to go pro, they decided to stick around. They decided to try to do one more year so that they had a chance to go on top. And they were able to do it. So that is my first story that I wanted to talk about for sports. I wanted to make sure that I gave them props and I wanted to show how you can go from the lowest of the lows to the best of the best, and UVA was able to do that. So, again, I give you guys props, and that's story number one. Story number two, it's it's kind of a similar feel. So we're going to go from the NCAA basketball tournament to golf. So if you haven't figured it out by now, we're going to talk about Tiger Woods. So Tiger Woods is probably the most iconic sports golfer to ever live the game probably the man that was able to unify golf in a way that no other individual has to be able to bring so many individuals to make this game a pop culture game and when you think of tiger woods for the longest you think of winning you think of champion you think of incredible competitor, ferocious, but after everything happened with Tiger Woods falling off with all the personal things he had going on, with his you know extracurricular activities that he had going on, he went again from the highest of the high to the lowest of the lows. So let's let's read this story. Let's 
talk about the story. Let's talk to see how we feel about everything that happened, and we'll just see where things go from there. So, again, this story was written in on April 14, 2019. This was shortly after Tiger Woods' win. Tiger Woods added his master's greatness by flipping his normal script in a Sunday matinee at Augusta National Golf Club to claim a fifth green jacket. In one of the most emotional finishes in tournament history, the 43-year-old Woods, playing like the Tiger of old and being players he inspired with his 1997 win at Augusta National Golf Club, came from behind to win the 83rd Masters Tournament by a shot. Rallying to win a major championship was not in Woods' DNA before Sunday. In all 14 of his, ma- of his previous major wins, he was either tied or in the lead after 54 holes. This time, he was two behind Italy's Molinari, Francesco Molinari, who outdueled Woods to win the British Open last year. Woods even the score Sunday, firing a 2-under par 70 and finished 13-under at 275. He became the first $2 million man in Masters history. It was an epic Sunday and a great day for golf, said Fred Riley, the chairman of Augusta National Club Golf Club and the Masters Tournament. It's one of the most amazing days in our history. Play began at 7.30 a.m. as the tournament rushed to beat the threat of an inclement weather. Groups of three went off number one and number ten, and the leaders went off at 9.20 a.m. Woods tapped in a winning putt around 2.30 p.m., well before the usual 7 p.m. finish. This week, Woods trailed by four after an opening round of 70, was one back after a second round 68, and was down by two shots in his third round 67. To have the opportunity to come back like this is probably one of the biggest ones I've had for sure, Woods said. Woods had 22 birdies, the second most in the field after Xander Shalafoli's 25. He led the league, he led the field in greens in regulation, hitting 58 out of 72 greens. I just felt so prepared coming into the event, Woods said. This year, my finishes don't really reflect it, but I was starting to shape the ball, the golf ball, the way that I know that I can, which I needed for this week. Woods' fifth Masters title moved him past Arnold Palmer and puts him one behind Jack Nicklaus for the most green jackets in history. He's also three majors behind Nicklaus's record of 18. The last major came at his favorite tournament, where Woods made his debut in 1995 and was the low amateur. He went on to win it in 1997, 2001, 2002, and 2005 before Sunday. Just unreal to be honest with you, Woods said. Just the whole tournament has meant so much to me over the years. There was a three-way tie for second place among Dustin Johnson, Joe Lockley, both with 68s, and Brooks Kopika. Pretty much the rest of the story pretty much goes and just talks about how great Tiger Woods was and... We're going to read this last quote. It says here, Eastlake was a big step for me, confirming that I could still win out here and against the best players, Woods said. Because Eastlake, obviously, is the hottest 30 guys for the year, it gave me a lot of confidence going into this year, and I keep building on it, and let's try to get the mind and body peaking towards Augusta. And you got a shout-out from Jack Nicholas, a big well done from me to Tiger Woods. I'm so happy for him and the game of golf. This is just fantastic. So again, just reflecting on that story, just seeing exactly what happened and just, again, being appreciative of somebody who goes from the lowest of the lows to the highest of the highs. And when I think about Tiger's journey from 
being the hot golfer who everybody hears about, who has an opportunity on Sundays to captivize an audience to get golf, which is a game that tends to be a more that tends to come from more of a traditional older background to make it what everybody watches on Sunday nights to him being on top of the game and then all of a sudden just crashing and not just crashing this guy went from the highest of the highs again to lows to lows I mean you see all the stories that come out National Enquirer all the gossip stories the news he gets all of his People who were sponsoring him, they pretty much don't sponsor him anymore. He is by himself. He goes from mentally being drained and exhausted to physically almost not being able to walk. I mean, the man had multiple back surgeries, and I think he's got fused spinal cord or something like that. So this guy's going from being on cloud nine to being the lowest of the low, gets divorced, He's the laughingstock of social media to somehow figuring out that he can still do what he can do. And he slowly but surely, he chips away, chips away, chips away, pun intended. And he's able to get to a point where he's competitive again. And he not only does that, he wins the most iconic tournament, which is the Masters Tournament. And again, this story is similar to the other story that I talked about because... What I appreciate, especially from athletes, is just the mindset that I can do whatever I can do. And going from a point where you're failing, going to the point where you have no trust in yourself, and you're able to turn that thing around, and you're able to become a champion, you're able to win, you're able to look at all those doubters and tell them that I can do it. But you looking at yourself and realizing that you can do whatever you can as long as you've got the mind power and spirit to be able to do it then you can make that work and it's just looking at how everybody was happy for him just looking at again he was able to get everybody to tune in on a Sunday he was able to get individuals from all different sorts of life to just come together and just watch him you know steal everybody's hearts and minds for a couple of hours and just to see all the mad props and respect that you know fellow athletes from you know iconic figures whether it's in again social media whether it's in celebrity just people in general just giving tiger woods a congratulations for everything that he had to deal with and just to see how happy and proud he was when he realized that he won the tournament i remember watching the masters tournament because again i wanted to root for tiger Woods to win and just seeing how elated he was after he was able to win the tournament he's able to find his family just the embrace that he gave just the sheer joy that he had when he yelled that you know cry of just being so happy seeing all of his fellow golfers running in line just to be able to shake his hand or give him a hug just to have them share their appreciation for everything that he's done to the game and with looking at all that stuff he was able to get back to the top where he was before and again i think each and every one of us could take something from this story you know we've all at one point failed we've all at one point 
you know, didn't do what we wanted to do, whether it was not, you know, getting picked for something, whether it was, you know, applying for a certain school or whether it was, you know, trying to be a certain position. At some point, we all achieve some sort of failure. And if we do it right, it's not how we fail, but it's what can you do to bounce back from that failure and become a success again to become a leader again to be a winner again to be able to go back out there despite what everybody thinks and to do something about it so when i'm looking at this story from tiger woods and i see the the smile and the happiness that he's got on his face and again that sheer elation after he won the tournament that makes you realize that you know in life you can do whatever you can do and as long as you've got your mind, as long as you've got the power and the spirit to be able to do it, you can do it. And again, just the dedication and the motivation that man had to get himself to where most people thought he could never get to. So that's the reason why I chose that story. I think it's a great story. And again, it's another way of you to remember that, again, you can do whatever you can do in life. So the last story that I wanted to talk about was I wanted to give a shout out to my favorite basketball player, Dwayne Wade. So the Miami Heat did not have an opportunity to go to the playoffs, but for those last two games of the season, it definitely had playoff-like feel, playoff-like intensity, and he was able to capture the lives of basketball just for a couple of nights. Dwayne Wade goes out with triple-double in final career NBA game. So just to set the stage, his last NBA game was in Brooklyn, but the game before, they ended up playing against the Philadelphia 76ers. In that game, there was a, a small chance that they potentially could make the playoffs but they needed to depend on other teams to lose for them to be able to win that game. So they end up playing, and they end up actually winning the game. But what ends up happening is I think in the third or fourth quarter, they realized that the teams who needed to win ended up winning, and because of that, they were eliminated from the playoffs. But one of the things that was spectacular about that game before is, you know, this is D-Way's last home game, and... He wanted to make sure that he came out on top. They ended up winning that game. Dwayne Wade goes for 30 points. Dwayne Wade shows some of his father prime vintage Wade. You know, he's able to get all the tricks out of the basket. And he just entertains. He just is a statesman. He is clever in his craft. And that Miami arena was electric. And I didn't get a chance to go to the game. I ended up watching it from home. And I think, yes, it would have been great to watch it live in person. But I think just being able to watch the game from home, just hear the announcers, see the commercials, and just be able to focus on looking at everything that was going on in the game from the privacy of my home, I think was one of the the better things that I was able to do during the year. And... Just to see, you know, the old Dwayne Wade coming back. He does a little bit of everything. He plays, you know, more minutes than anybody thought he would play. 
comes out on top, 30 points, and they find out that they're not making the playoffs. So that's kind of the scene that I wanted to set for the article that we're about to read. So, again, like I said before, Dwayne Wade goes out with a triple-double in his final NBA career game. Dwayne Dwayne Wade went out in style in front of some of his best friends. The retiring Miami Heat star notched a triple-double in his final career game Wednesday night against the Brooklyn Nets, and he did it with LeBron James, Chris Paul, and Carmelo Anthony watching from courtside seats. Wade secured his fifth career triple-double in the closing minute of the third quarter when he drove and fittingly kicked to Udonis Haslam for a jumper from the top of the three-throw line circle and his 10th assist. Wade and Haslam both came into the NBA with the Miami Heat in 2003 and have been teammates in 15 out of their 16 years. I don't like shooting every time down, Wade said in an on-court interview after the game. That's not the way I play. I was so uncomfortable tonight taking that many random shots. But to be able to go out here and understand that my last game, I wanted to be about my teammates as much as possible. To be able to pass the ball get the triple-double, and all those things, so I accomplished that. Wade finished with 25 points, 11 rebounds, and 10 assists in Miami's 113-94 to loss in Brooklyn. He scored a team-high 30 points Tuesday in an emotional final home game. As the closing seconds ran off the clock and Wade dribbled out of the final Heat's final possession, the Barclays Center crowd rose for a standing ovation. For me, I'm happy with this season, Wayne said. Unfortunately for our organization and our team, we weren't able to put ourselves in a position to win enough games to be in the playoffs, but for what I wanted for this season, I'm happy to say that I completed that. Drafted fifth overall in 2003, Wade also entered the league the same year as James, the number one pick, and Anthony, the number three pick, in a star-studded class. Paul was drafted fourth two years later in the four formed a close friendship that has endured over their decade plus in the NBA. James, Paul, and Anthony greeted Wade before the game and posed for photos on the court afterwards. In an interview with Fox Sports during the game, James said there was no way we were going to miss his good friend Swan Song. We all started this journey together, James said. We have a brotherhood that's just so much more than basketball. We couldn't miss D-Wade's last game. When I watched that game and I got to see the way that the Brooklyn fans gave him love, I got to see the way that all of his teammates showed him love, just to see the way that the opponents showed love, that was a great way to end D-Wade's career. D-Wade is my favorite player, and he's the reason why, you know, I had season tickets for this is going on my third year. And I just remember all the memories that I have had at Miami Heat games, the the championship series I was able to watch in those two years, the NBA championship parade that I was able to watch two out of the three years that they won the championship, and being able to go with my wife to the games, build memories for date nights, to be able to bring my daughter to the game and just share with her some of those experiences. I've got Dwayne Wade to thank for all that stuff. The way that the man came into the league, the just 
being able to captivate an entire audience and to be able to watch the way that he was able to win that first championship playing against Dallas where, you know, they were down in the series and they ended up coming back and winning it. And he puts Miami on the map. Miami's always been a football town and Miami, Miami still is a football town, but what Dwayne Wade was able to do was to be able to get basketball on the map in Miami and to make it a conversation. I think if you look at the demographics of Miami and based on how old you are, you know, the newer generation, I feel, probably respects and thinks that Miami is a basketball team in a basketball town more than a football town. And that was what Dwayne Wade was able to do. You know, Wade County is the county that you know, has loved and supported D-Wade. The championships he was able to bring, the sacrifice that he was able to do when he decided to bring two of his good friends to play for the Miami Heat, and because of that selfless act, was able to bring two more championships to the city and, again, make Miami one of those cities that is known for basketball. Miami Heat, again, class act organization, you know, Pat Riley, he's doing his thing. He did his thing to be able to get that group together. But again, it's all about D-Wade. And if you don't have D-Wade, you don't have those championships. And Miami Heat aren't what they are. So, again, just being able to think about everything that he's done, you know, to be able to be the leader, to be able to be that individual to get that first championship in Miami for... You know, I don't know how many years since the 72 Dolphins did it way back when is nothing short of remarkable. And I think we all have a D-Wade story that we can think of. We can think of all the countless magic that he's done, whether it's being able to, you know, make game winning shots, being able to play against fierce competitors and putting Miami on top just to be able to see him throughout the years mature and not only being a basketball player but an advocate for human rights the knowing and understanding that he has a platform and with that platform he's doing positive things to change the world to make the world a better place and just to see the way that he's able to use all of the attention for good and to be able to make sure that he's able to make this world a better place so d-wade Again, you're the man. I think the way that you were able to finish off the season with the one last dance, you know, I think you deserve that. And you gave the entire basketball world an opportunity to say goodbye to you. And again, like you said, I mean, we didn't win the championship this year. We didn't make the playoffs this year. But I did enjoy watching you play this last season. You know, you gave us an opportunity to be able to cheer you on one last time. And again, because of you, you were able to put Miami on the map when it comes to basketball. You know, definitely, uh, you know, future Hall of Famer, you know, one of the one of the top five guards to the play, you know, you know, one of the 50th greatest, greatest players, just, you know, you were able to do what you needed to do to put this city on the map and to get some championships and again you're you're going to be a player that i'm always going to remember and i'm definitely going to be looking forward to seeing what you do in the years to come because even though this one chapter in your life is over 
you're going to have another chapter. You're going to be starting chapter two, which is going to be fun to watch. So I hope that you stick around in Miami. I hope that you continue to show the love that you give to the city of Miami while you're playing basketball. Hopefully you have a position in the front office doing something with the Miami Heat and use the platform that you have to make sure that you continue to help people and to make this place a better place than it was before you were here. So those are my three stories. I've been talking for 35 minutes. And before I go, I did want to share with my MVP crew, you know, one one project that I'm I'm going to start. So when it comes to the podcast, we've been doing the MVP podcast and the MVP podcast has been a lot of fun. And it's an opportunity for me to be able to hang out with my MVPers. It's a great opportunity for me to catch up with my brothers. And I feel like we do have a story and that story is starting to grow more and more and more. And I've been thinking a lot and I think another thing that we're going to start doing, and this is probably going to be within the next couple of weeks, is we are going to have maybe, I don't know if it's going to be one out of every four episodes or, you know, maybe when the brothers are busy and I want to make sure that I talk to the MVP crew. I think what I want to do or what I'm going to do, I spoke to my wife and we're going to start a column called Deerophilia. So... What Deerophilia is going to be about, it's going to be about myself as a dad, as a father, giving advice to, you know, my daughter. And this is going to be a series, and it's you know, anything that I can think about. So it's, it's an opportunity for me to be able to share some knowledge, share some of my experiences, and to teach her and to make sure that she's got something that she can listen to later on and this is something that is any type of advice that i have that i think would be helpful for her just to be able to see her grow up and to mature to become hopefully the awesome woman that lee and i want her to be so it's exciting i think there's going to be lots of fun topics and and this is going to you know, open up the world to seeing what my style is with her. But I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So it's going to be called Deerophilia. And it, I, I've got an idea of some of the topics that I want. But if there are, is there anything that you guys want to hear about more? Again, just let me know what's going on. And we'll, we'll share that. So definitely looking forward to that. Again, it's going to be called Deerophilia. And let's see how it goes. You know, we'll have it as a part of the MVP rotation. But if it gains a lot of traction, maybe we can have Deerophilia be its own podcast in itself. So definitely looking forward to that. And I think that it'll be more fun as I'm able to share some more words and knowledge to my MVP crew. So it's 38 minutes into the podcast, and I wanted to use these last couple of minutes to just share my reflection on how I thought that podcast went. (laughs) So number one, I give so much respect to individuals that have their own talk show radio host where it's just them talking the whole time when it's just a monologue or a soliloquy for so much time i've been talking for 39 minutes straight and it's not as easy as you think it would be to be able to talk and talk and talk and hopefully you're not rambling and i'm sure when i listen to this 
when I critique myself like I do to all of my other podcasts, I'm going to be thinking, man, this, geez, you, you got a lot of work to do. But it's something that I wanted to do because, again, I feel like I've got information that I want to share with the MVP crew. But I, I give a lot of respect to individuals who have their own TV shows and it's just them. You know, some TV shows, they've got callers who call in, so at least there's, you know, a little bit of back and forth conversation when you maybe get a caller or maybe on some TV shows, you've got a co-host, which is what I'm used to with having either Marvin or Christopher on the podcast with me. But to be the number one person who is talking the whole time, that is difficult. I think about all of these radio broadcasts that I listen to in the morning and gosh, like I, I think it's something that I'm going to get better at, but it's a lot. And I got to give myself a little bit of props too, because again, I've been talking about 40 minutes straight, no commercial, at least on those TV shows. And at least on some of those radio shows, you may have five to 10 minutes where you have an opportunity to take a break, to just be quiet, rest your mouth. But again, this is going on 40 minutes and it's a lot. So those of you who think that being able to be your own podcast host or, hey, you want to have the microphone, you want to talk, try it, see how it goes, and then talk to me. So those were just some of the the words that I wanted to leave with you guys today as far as how I feel I did. So how did I do, you know, A, B, C, D, or F? Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, you know, probably probably C. You know, maybe a C. You know, I, I think that when I'm going to be listening to this conversation, there's going to be lots of monotoneness, but we'll work on that. But I digress. All right. So like I usually do at the end, I want to thank you guys for listening. It's time for me to go to bed. I got to start the week. But again, just leave your feedback. Please, please, please continue to email us at marslinbrothers at gmail.com to give us some more tips and to get some ideas on different podcasts that you want to listen to or different episodes that you want to listen to. Also, if you guys are listening through your favorite podcast vehicle, please make sure to leave a positive five-star review. You know, it's for you guys. This is the reason why we're doing what we're doing. And we definitely appreciate all the love and the feedback that you've given us. And we want to continue to be able to do this. So please, please, please give us a five-star review. Just give us a shout out, you know, let us know what you enjoy and we definitely appreciate the love that you've been able to give the MPP crew. So with that being said, I am out. Thank you again, MVP team. This is going to be a memorable podcast for me because this will be the first podcast episode that I solely did by myself. And this will be something that I will always remember. So with that being said, I'm out of here. You guys have a good week. And we will definitely catch you on the flip side. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Marston Brothers Podcast. And remember, do work and make a difference in somebody's life.